Heavenly Father, we know that many live contrary to your law, contrary to your ways. So we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now so that we would live in accordance with your word and in step with your ways as we study it now together. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we continue our series in the book of Joel. And uh, it's been interesting to see what the Lord said so many years ago to the people of Israel uh, through the prophet Joel. Uh, What have we seen? Well, we've seen the terrible devastation that came upon the land of Israel, devastation that came through locusts, uh, swarm after swarm of locusts devoured all that was living in the land, all the plants in the land. Uh, We also saw that fire had come in some way and destroyed much of the land as well. But we also saw the Israelites had turned to the Lord, that they were encouraged to repent, to rend their hearts and not their garments, to come to God in repentance and ask the Lord to take away their suffering. And God then promised to take away their enemies, to take away the the locusts from the land and to restore the land, to send abundant harvests in the future, to send grain and new wine and oil uh, that he would provide for the needy land. And last week, when we looked at this passage together, we saw that God also promised to send the Holy Spirit, that in later days, he would send the Holy Spirit upon God's people. We see that in verse 28 of Joel chapter 2, the passage that we started reading today, says, and afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, that the Holy Spirit was given to God's people so that they would have knowledge of him. We saw that in the way that it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions, that the Holy Spirit comes with knowledge of God for his people. But what else will happen in these later days? What does the prophet Joel say will happen in the later days? Not just that the Holy Spirit will be given, but something else will be given. What is that? Well, there will be signs that are given of the great and dreadful day of the Lord that is coming. We see that in verse 30. It says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The Lord promises to give signs of this terrible day of the Lord that is coming. In verse 30, it says, I will show wonders. Uh, This word wonders can be translated as the word signs. In the New Testament, we see the idea of signs and wonders, uh, these miraculous sort of events happening, uh, that God is going to give signs and wonders of this terrible day of the Lord that is coming. What are these signs that he's going to give? What signifies the terrible day of the Lord? Well, we see there in verse 30, it says that he will give blood, that bloodshed will come as a sign of the terrible and great day of the Lord. And what else? It'll be signs of fire and billows of smoke. These are the signs that are given on earth. It says there in verse 30, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. But there's also signs given in the heavens. Verse 31, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What are these things signify then the terrible day of the Lord and what is that terrible day of the Lord going to be well what do we associate usually with blood and fire and billows of smoke we associate these things with war we associate these with things with battles blood and fire and billows of smoke come with war you look at war-torn nations there's fire ravaging them there's bloodshed and there's billows of smoke you say but what about this Signs that are in the heavens of the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. How is that shown today? How do we see signs of this even now? 
Does the sun really turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming in terrible, the great and terrible day of the Lord? Well, there's different uh, ideas given by the commentators here. They talk about eclipses of the sun, this kind of thing. But I think we in Australia, we know all about the sun being darkened and we know all about moon turning to blood. Why? Well, we have bushfires and we know that when smoke comes in great abundance to even a city like Sydney, the moon turns to blood. It goes red at night because of the refraction of the light. And the sun is darkened through the day because of the billows of smoke. And so for us, it's natural to understand this. And for those who are in a war-torn nation where there's fires ravaging through the city, like really burning, they know what it is for the sun to be darkened because of a war. They know what it is for the moon at night to even be reddened, to look like blood because of the war that's raging within their city. But why is God bringing such war? Why is he bringing blood and fire? Well, it's because of sin. Why? Well, what is sin? Sin is a declaration of war against God. That is what sin is. It's a declaration of war on God by man. When we rebel against God, when we break his laws... We are declaring war on God. And what does God do in response? Well, he declares war on us. We have picked a fight with him, and so he will punish us accordingly. And how does he punish? Well, it's with bloodshed. It's with fire. It's with billows of smoke. And we see this again and again in the Bible. One of the clear examples in the Old Testament is with the Egyptians. It's a clear case of sin equals punishment from God. As the Egyptians, and particularly Pharaoh as a representative of Egypt, he disobeyed God's direct command to let his people go. What did God do? Well, he brought plagues of locusts. He brought blood into the Nile. He turned the Nile into blood, and he darkened the sun. These things that are spoken of here in Joel chapter 2, we see them being done to the Egyptians. Why? Because they declared war on God. They would not submit to God, and so God punished them accordingly. So when is this great and terrible day of the Lord? When is this great and terrible day of the Lord that these signs are given in the Bible and, of course, through history? Well, what are the signs pointing to? It's pointing to Judgment Day. That is the great and terrible day of the Lord, where these things that are warning signs given here in Joel chapter 2, and then we see them again through history, they are going to be fulfilled in a way that had never been seen before. And we see this in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, we read, The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Very clear fulfillment of the promise that is coming. These signs that are given in Joel 2 are just precursory to the great and terrible day of the Lord where these things will be magnified in a way that has never been seen before, where the heavens will be shaken in a way that has never been seen before. But will there be smoke and fire on that great and terrible day? Yes. Look with me at Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, page 1,225 where we see this passage fulfilled to the utmost. Revelation chapter 14, and we'll read from verse 9, page 1,225, if you have a church Bible. Revelation chapter 14, reading from verse 9. 
where we read, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. Here we see billows of smoke, of burning sulphur on the great and terrible day of the Lord. But is there bloodshed as is foretold in Joel 2? Yes, look with me at verse 17. Verse 17 of the same chapter. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vines because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia, which if you look in the margin of your Bibles there, you can see that it's for about 300 kilometres that this blood flows out at the height of a horse's bridle. There is bloodshed on the great and terrible day of the Lord. So what is God doing now? What is God doing now? Well, he is showing signs, signs, warning signs. He's sounding the alarm with blood and fire in history to warn of a far greater day, to warn of a far greater day. And he does this again and again in the Bible, and we see the fulfilment of Joel's words at different stages in history. For example, well, the day of Pentecost. We see Peter, we read this last week, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, fire fell from heaven on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles, and they pronounced the judgment of God that is coming on those who have crucified the Lord Jesus, a fulfilment of the words of Joel chapter 2, as fire comes. But also, another fulfilment of this would be with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, which the Lord Jesus spoke about as well. We read for us in, uh, we had read for us in Luke chapter 21. In Luke chapter 21, turn with me again there, Luke chapter 21 where we see the words of Joel the prophet echoed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in many ways. Verse 20 of Luke chapter 21, where we read, the Lord Jesus says, When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfilment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Here we see Jesus clearly saying that the destruction of Jerusalem, which we know happened in AD 70, after the, a few decades after the Lord Jesus spoke, 
is a fulfillment of the prophecies of people like the prophet Joel and pointing to that terrible day of the Lord that is to come. Is there any fulfillment though today? We see fulfillment in the destruction of Jerusalem. We see fulfillment at the time of Pentecost. Is there fulfillment today? Yes. Yes, there is. Every time that there is blood shed, every time that there is fire and billows of smoke, we're warned of the great and terrible day of the Lord that is coming. We're warned that we are, the human race is at war with God. We are at war with God. And his great day of judgment where he will end that war, where he will have victory over his enemies, is to come. What is all bloodshed and fire meant to point us to? Why do we have bloodshed and fire even now? It is because of the sin of man. That God is precursoring, punishing the world by the blood that is shed, by the pain that we feel, the suffering we feel, and the fire that comes. There's signs, warning signs, of the greater fire that is to come, the greater bloodshed that is to come on the terrible day of the Lord. So what is Joel doing in Joel chapter 2? He is giving warning to the people of Israel to see the signs, to see the signs of God's coming judgment. But what else does he tell the people to do? What else does he tell the people to do in Joel chapter 2? Well, verse 32 gives us not just the signs, but he tells us something else in verse 32. Verse 32, he says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does Joel tell the people to do? He tells them to call on the name of the Lord for salvation. Why? Because there is deliverance. There is salvation. There is deliverance for those who call on God in prayer, who pray to God by the power of the Holy Spirit, they can have salvation. The word here for that they are saved is the idea that is used for, in the book of Job for sparks sparking out of fire, for jumping out of the fire. And that is the idea that is being given here, that as the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, there are some who will be sparking out of the fire, that they'll be delivered from the flames if they call on the name of the Lord. They will be saved. And so what are we to do? As we look at the book of Joel today, this morning, what are we to do as we see warning signs in the Bible, but also in our day and age, as we look around the world and see the bloodshed, as we see the fire, as we see it even in our own nation, the bloodshed and the fire that comes, what are we supposed to do? We are to call on the name of the Lord for salvation from the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What's that mean? Well, it means praying to God, praying to God and making an agreement with him, calling on his name, making an agreement with him specifically to come and to save us. What do we do when we call the fire brigade to save us? What are we doing? Well, we're inviting them into our home. We're making an agreement. We call them up and say, come to this address and you have the right to come in and pick me up and take me out. I won't fight you. I'm making an agreement with you. Come and save me. Do whatever you need to do. Save me from the fire in my home. I'm inviting you to save me. And in order to do that, what do we need to do first? We need to believe. We need to believe. Why? We won't call for a saviour if we don't believe that the saviour can help. You won't bother calling the fire brigade if you don't believe that they exist and that they can actually help you. 
If they're a hopeless fire brigade and you hear reports regularly and you know even family members, they've regularly rung the fire brigade for help and the fire brigade never come, then you won't call them. But if you believe that the fire brigade is there and that they are able to help, you will call for salvation from the fire that is ravaging your home. And so that's what we need to do. We need to believe in God and call upon him to save us from the fire that is coming. But how can God help us when we are his enemies, when we have declared war on him? All of us in this room, we've sinned against God. We've declared war on God in our lives at some point. How can God save us when we are his enemies? Well, he helps us by his son, Jesus Christ. How? By Christ's blood being shed. By Christ experiencing the fiery wrath of God so many years ago. He can help us through Christ. When did this happen? Well, at the cross. What happened at the cross? God went to war against his son, Jesus. God went to war against his son. Our sin of those who trust in Christ is imputed, put over to Christ's account at the cross, and God then treats Christ as we deserve to be treated. And how is that? Our blood deserves to be shed. We deserve to be burned with eternal fire in hell. But instead, he sheds Christ's blood. And instead, he burns Christ at the cross. On that day so many years ago, what happened? The sun literally was darkened for three hours. And the son of righteousness himself was darkened. His blood was shed at the cross so many years ago. And so that is how God can actually save, deliver those who call on him, is because the punishment that we deserve was put upon Christ Jesus. And so what is the result? The war is over for those who call upon God by the power of the Holy Spirit, who pray to him and ask for deliverance through Christ Jesus. How do we know that the war is over? Because Christ at the cross, what does he cry? It is finished. It is finished. The suffering for the sin of his people is finished. And how else do we know that it is finished? By Christ's resurrection from the dead. By Christ's resurrection from the dead, we can see that sin has been paid for, that the war is completed. Peter makes much of that in his sermon at Pentecost. He reads out the words of of Joel to the people, talks about the death of the Lord Jesus, and then he tells the people that This one that you crucified, he is the Christ. How do we know this? Because the Lord God raised him from the dead, that his body did not see decay. This is how we know that he is the one who saves God's people. This is the mechanism by which God can deliver those who previously were at war with him. So won't you call on God today? Or will you be like much of humanity? Much of humanity. How so? Well, what is much of the human race like today? They're like people living in an apartment building. How so? The fire alarm is going, but they don't act. Why? Well, they've heard alarms before, and nothing ever happened to them. Things did happen to other people, but not to them. And so their fire alarm is sounding, but they're not going to act. You say, surely people don't do this. 
And surely people don't do this when they hear of the great and terrible day of the Lord that is coming, which we read from Revelation. When people hear of that day and hear about a wine press with blood flowing out of it for kilometres, when they hear of the fire and the billows of smoke, the burning sulphur, surely they will call upon the name of the Lord. When they hear of God's judgment coming, surely they will repent. But people do not. And one of the great examples of this is given for us in Scripture. Where? In the days of Noah. In the days of Noah. We sometimes treat Noah and his ark like a cute bedtime story that you read to the kids. About all the animals going into the ark and them going for a sail and you're on the sea. And you buy for your kids a little Noah's ark for them to have in the bathtub. And they can float it around and relive the story. But it's a terrible, terrible day of judgment when the floodwaters came across the earth. It's not a cute bedtime story. The wickedness of men was so great, we read in Genesis chapter 6, that God had to basically start again with the human race with just eight people because of the wickedness of man. And people scoffed at Noah and would not believe that there was this terrible day of judgment coming with water. We see this in the book of 2 Peter. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter, chapter 3. It's found on page 1205. 1205. 2 Peter chapter 3. Look with me at verse 3. Verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 3, page 1205 where the Apostle Peter says, First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are, are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. We see Apostle Peter making this connection between the flood of Noah and the destruction that is to come. It was a destruction with water that people did not heed the warning about, and people forget that warning that was given so many years ago. We're descendants of Noah from that family of eight. We exist here now and we forget that we come from that family and that we were delivered. And so we need to heed the warning that was given so many years ago. What am I, Joel Radford, here this morning for you? Well, I'm like a modern prophet Joel as your fire alarm as your fire alarm, sounding this morning 
and urging you to call the fire department, to call the fire department so that you can be airlifted from the greatest fire that has ever been known to man that is coming. How can every problem be solved? Well, I know someone in our church who says that every problem can be solved with a phone call, Joel. Every problem can be solved with a phone call. And that's true if you've got a phone and you know who to call who can solve the problem. If you've got a phone and you know who to call, you know the right person to, pro- to call. Can the problem of blood and fire, and billows of smoke and war on the judgment day be solved? Yes. It's by calling on God in prayer. By calling on God in prayer. Can anyone call? Yes. We see in Joel chapter 2, what does it say? All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All. It doesn't say some who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And will God really save those who call? Will God really save those who call? Yes. It says there in Joel chapter 2, verse 32, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not all who call on the name of the Lord may be saved, but they will be saved, is what we read there. Why? Because God has knowledge, he has mercy, he has a faithfulness to his promises, he has the power to save all who call on him through Christ Jesus. Why? Because God hears the call. If he has all knowledge, he hears our call in prayer. And God feels mercy. God is a God of mercy and love and grace. And God keeps his word. And he has power to respond by the Spirit, applying the blood of Christ so many years ago, so that our blood will not be shed on Judgment Day. So if you've never made the call before, make the call today. Trust that God is there and that he has warned and made these promises that we read in Joel chapter 2. Make the call and pray. Why should you do it today? Why not tomorrow? Well, one day the phone signal will be lost. The phone signal will be lost. You will no longer have the phone and you'll no longer be able to call on on the Lord. Why? Because tomorrow may be the day of destruction. Tomorrow may be the day you're no longer here and instead are being destroyed. You're not in a bushfire. You're in a God fire tomorrow. So today is the day of salvation for you. Come to God. Look to him. Call upon God. And Christians, if you have made the call, if you have made the call and are waiting now to be airlifted on that great and terrible day of the Lord, out of the flames like sparks shooting out, What should you do? Well, we should thank God and rejoice. Rejoice in the salvation that we have through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. What should we thank God for? Well, we should be thanking God for giving us fire alarms in the book of Joel, for giving us the book of Joel, which warns us of the great and terrible day of the Lord, but also for the way that he has given us warning signs in every time that blood is shed every time that there is fire and billows of smoke every time the sun is darkened by smoke every time the moon is turned to blood by smoke God has given us those warning signs and we should thank him for them sadly some people die in fires why because there's no fire alarm given there was no fire alarm so they didn't even have the opportunity to 
leave the building. But we have been given fire alarms in God's mercy to us. He didn't need to, but he has. He's given us the prophet Joel, and he's given us warnings in every time that there is pain and suffering in this world. And we shouldn't just thank God for the fire alarms, but we should thank him for providing access to a phone and for an airlift from the flames on that great and terrible day of the Lord, from that war that is coming, the great battle, the final battle that is to be fought. We should thank him for providing access to a phone that we can call upon him in prayer, that we have a way of accessing him through Jesus Christ. We should be thanking him for the Lord Jesus, that he took the penalty that we deserve, that his blood was shed, that he was burned at the cross, that the sun of righteousness was darkened so that we would not be darkened on the great and terrible day of the Lord. And what else should we be thanking God for? Well, we should thank him for the faith that we had, that he is there and that he did send his son and that there is salvation, that he is faithful to his promise, that all who call on him will be saved. We should thank him for that faith and that by that faith we made the call, that we prayed to him and called upon his name and therefore we are now saved from that great and terrible day of the Lord. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your kindness in warning us of your impending judgment and for giving us a way of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that his blood was shed so many years ago and his life was darkened at the cross so that we can escape the war of judgment day we can escape the bloodshed, we can escape the fires for all of eternity. Lord, as we come before you, we ask for forgiveness, for not thanking you as we should, but we ask you that you would help us by the power of the Spirit to be conscious of the great salvation that we have and to joyfully thank you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, if there is anyone here who hasn't called on you for salvation, may they heed the warnings, may they heed the fire alarms that you have given, and believe and call on you and know your salvation and joyfully give you thanks in Christ Jesus. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.